Your story. It lives in River City. Where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel. Where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another. Where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha. Told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports, my partner in crime. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, it was kind of fun hearing and seeing uh, Peyton Manning at Broncos OTAs last week. And the coolest thing that, you know, he had his little 17-minute interview with select local media following practice and all that. But actually the coolest thing about his time there, I thought, you know, that Fangio story you wrote about, that was cool. But I liked hearing him refer to the Broncos and what they're doing still as we, as if he's putting himself in that, you know, that collective. Yeah, it's he's definitely still close to the Broncos. They have a special place in his heart. He did win a title there. And even though he's kind of away from football right now, it's still near and dear to him. It's who he is. And he every year he was at training camp last year. He comes out to Dove Valley and, and checks him out. And it was nice because no one was really expecting a press conference there. But then he started diving into uh, the Jets GM rumors and all this stuff. And it, it was nice that he he t- made it Broncos centric. He took he could have submitted you know very NFL centric. He could have just made it very uh, piecemeal interview. But like you said, he talked about the Broncos and we and us. And he really wants to see this team get back on the winning track. From what he said, it really bothers him that Denver went from this this powerhouse to kind of a basement dweller. And it's nice to see they have Peyton support still, and it should benefit them with someone who he supports at the helm and Vic Fangio. You know, what I kept thinking was, because Peyton Manning's such a calculated dude. Like, he doesn't just show up and agree to hold court with the media for 17 minutes for no good reason or just on a whim. Like, he went down there and then made himself available for a reason. Do you think, Zach, that reason was simply to air some of the rumors that had come up about the Jets' mm-hmm. job, or do you think there was more to it specifically as it relates to maybe the Broncos and perhaps a future role there? You know, I haven't really thought about that. That's a good uh, little conspiracy theory to dive into right now. I think it was just right place at the right time for him. He was playing golf, I think, with Tiger Woods earlier in the week, and then he just – I don't know why he was in Denver – um, I haven't really thought that deep into it, but it was nice that he held that impromptu press conference. And when he did, I was like, I started to question, why is he talking right now? Why are all these things coming out? So maybe it was to squash the Jets things. Maybe he thought it was a comfortable environment for him. And it was nice to see him around, you know, his natural setting in Denver there. Uh, but maybe, I don't know, something to think about. How cool would it be if in 2021, 
you know, we'll see what happens with ownership and Brittany Boland and all that stuff with the trust. But how cool would it be if in 2021, John Elway's like, you know what? I'm going to back off of operations. I'm just going to be the president. I'm going to I'm going to maintain my role as president of football operations. So, you know, I'll be the ultimate source of accountability. But from the not necessarily a day to day grind because the GM's job is not a day to day grind. Let's face it. But as far as overseeing the immediate operations of football, I'm passing the torch to Peyton freaking Manning. That would be so mm. cool. Yeah, that would be the most popular move I think in in Broncos history by far. I don't know. I, I it seems like Peyton's waiting for that perfect job, and, and in similar cases, what Vic Fangio did, waiting for the perfect coaching job. I don't know what he wants to do. I, I I don't know if he wants to be an owner rather than just a GM. I don't know if he wants to hold the highest position. If he wants to go into politics, golf. He's I think just living his life and enjoying his fortune and his good you know his goodwill right now, and uh, he's waiting to see what comes to him. I can't fault him for that at all. Do you think Peyton Manning would be better at scouting, identifying, you know, finding that quarterback than John Elway has been? Both of whom, mm. you know, they're both, let's face it, Manning's going to be first ballot Hall of Famer when the time comes. Not too much farther off, by the way. Do you think he would have better success being such a brainiac as it relates to the game? Or do you think he'd maybe suffer from some of the same issues, you know, holdups that have plagued John Elway as it relates to identifying quarterbacks in the draft especially? That's a great question. It's really interesting to think about. This, I don't I would assume everyone looks to Peyton Manning to be this guru and this football god and you know, I grew up watching him. I mean, that was my the the pinnacle for me in terms of quarterbacking in my generation and a non-Bronco quarterback was Peyton Manning until he obviously signed with Denver. But we know what Elway can do in terms of that respect. We don't know what Peyton can do. We don't know what he can handpick a quarterback. I would definitely give him a shot. I would happen to think that he can see certain aspects that Elway doesn't see. And I, the best thing I could see about Peyton is he wouldn't be so into himself. I think in Elway, the way he scouts quarterbacks, he looks for quarterbacks that resemble himself. And I think Peyton would have more of an open mind in, in terms of what today's game and this, you know, the RPOs and the Kyler Murrays. I think Peyton would be more open to that. So I'm definitely willing to see, you know, get a shot in that respect. I think it would be interesting to see. I don't know. I think where Elway's missed is I think he's just focused so much in the past, and I think this has changed with Drew Locke on the tangibles, right? He just looks at the raw skill set, the raw tools, and goes, I see myself in that. I see that arm. I see that mobility. I see the size. Boom, boom, boom. Get him to Denver. Whereas I think Manning would not only look more at that. This is just my own personal opinion, obviously. We're we're way out in the weeds of – of uh, fantasy land at this point, but because he's such a, a cerebral person and as a football player, I mean, his intellect was unquestioned. I mean, yes. he was the brainiac of the NFL. Something tells me he'd be a little bit more of a deep diver as it relates to that. You know what a quarterback has between the years. I can definitely see that. I, I can see Elway not being so reliant on film. I think he, you know, the analytics and that. I think Elway trusts his eyes and his scouting department. Whereas Peyton, like you said, very cerebral, very heady. He was always a coach and a GM and a quarterback and everything on the field and an owner uh, in, in times when he was in his prime. I do think that, like I said, he would see certain things and be have an open mind to what transpires in today's NFL because Peyton played through it. He passed the torch, and he was among the, the last guard, the old guard, ushering in the new quarterbacks. And, you know, I'm definitely willing to see him in that, you know, GM role, that scouting role. I just don't know if he ever wants to do that. Well, we'll see. I mean, the demand's out there for him. It sounds like to me, similarly to Elway. Now, Elway's path was much more meandering the way he ended up 
joining rejoining the Broncos in the front office. You know, let's face it, Elway has changed the game for guys like Peyton Manning, guys like John Lynch, guys who are very recently former players suddenly thrust in, in demand as it relates to front office openings. John Elway kind of changed that perception because up until that point, most players, former players, and Ozzie Newsom, I think, was the exception to the rule, they weren't considered fit for those type of jobs. And I think Elway having the success that he did, and a lot of that credit you know, goes to Peyton Manning playing the way he did and getting Peyton Manning. But I think that's kind of changed the game as it relates to NFL owners and presidents and executives in the NFL giving more consideration to former players for those high-profile, big-decision-type roles like a general manager. It definitely. And and when you have someone who has a last name like Elway or Manning, it just makes that, that opening more attractive. He can pick, handpick any role he wants, I, except maybe the Patriots, and he would get it as a GM. I just He's waiting for whatever is and whatever he deems the perfect opportunity post-NFL. I Part of me thinks he doesn't want to maybe tarnish his reputation as Peyton Manning and taking a, a role with the Raiders, let's say, like Mike Mayock did. He wants it to be the perfect position. And what that is and when that will be, we just have to wait and see. That's my ultimate tinfoil hat conspiracy is that Peyton Manning continues to, you know, I'm sure there are more reasons for it, but continues his relationship with the Denver Broncos because at some point in the not too distant future, and I think it might even work to, you know, you, you hear the too many cooks ruin the broth thing, but if Elway were to really just take a step back and serve as an executive only, just as a president of football operations, I could see him teaming up with Peyton Manning as the GM and kind of bringing him along maybe year one to some of the grind, you know, the minutia, the day-to-day aspects of the job, and then just taking the training wheels off and say, go be Peyton Manning, go be a Hall of Fame quarterback like me in the front office. That's my ultimate tinfoil hat conspiracy theory, but we'll see how it plays out many years to come. But we do have a few things we want to talk about today. Obviously not a lot going on in uh, Bronco land, as John Elway likes to call it. We'll get to those topics, though, that we do want to address here in just a second. First, want to remind you guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That is the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. Our great listeners on YouTube, you guys have been doing great in terms of liking the videos, but don't forget to do that. The best way you can support the show on YouTube is to always leave a like, comment as often as you can. YouTube really vaults videos that have a lot of engagement. And then, of course, if you deem it worthy, share it out there. Share it out on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and all other forms of social media. And then, of course, iTunes listeners, we really appreciate it. You take some time, leave us a creative review, and that five-star. Last spring, you chose hard-working seed, but did it work as hard as you did? At NK Seeds, we know that all the time, all the effort comes down to this. All that matters now is yield and how the seed performs on your acre because you can't fake performance and bushels don't lie local results coming soon visit nkseeds.com slash harvest mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner 
better. Our rating. All right, Zach. So since we're still kind of on the topics of quarterbacks, I wanted to ask you if you got to see that video over the weekend from Chris Sims, who, of course, now works for NBC Sports. He's going through revealing his top 40 quarterbacks in the NFL. And I thought it was interesting that at number 37, a guy who has yet to even step on the field officially as an NFL player, he has the Denver Broncos rookie second-round pick, Drew Locke, ranked at 37. What are your thoughts on that? Mm, I guess he really is a fan of Locke's tape, and he's banking on his upside because he you know, obviously hasn't taken one snap in the NFL. And as much as high as I am on Drew Locke, we don't know what we have in him yet. He hasn't even taken a preseason snap. I like that he's getting so much recognition because it's a good look for the Broncos, especially where they got him in the second round. But I, I don't know how you can put him in that category. You're, you're basically saying that he's among the best backups in the NFL and he's a, one of the best fringe starters. Uh, let's let it play out a little more. At least let's get to a training camp before we make claims like that. But it's good to see for the optics for Denver. I thought it was cool. You know, one of the, he's, he's explaining the selection of Lockett 37 and why he ranked him there. And one of Chris Sims' uh, opinions on the matter is that if you look at Drew Locke's body of work, <clears throat> you know, the four years he started in the SEC, he played, of course, in, in such a great conference. But he was often, as a you know, with the Missouri Tigers, he was on a team that was often outmatched, you know, going up against the likes of yeah. Auburn and LSU and Alabama and all those great teams. And he had to, you know, he gets he gets hammered sometimes with his inconsistencies and sometimes, you know, trying I think, you know, pressing a little bit, trying to do too much. And Chris Sims pointed that out and saying, look, that's what he had to do, Zach. He had to, because he suffered from a little bit of a counterbalance in terms of you know, his his team always being a little bit less talented than the opposing SEC teams, he kind of had to do that. And he really focused especially on his junior campaign in which he set the all-time SEC passing touchdown record. I think it's 44, if I'm not mistaken, which was impressive. I mean, to be able to walk out of that conference after your third year in college football with the SEC's all-time passing touchdown record, that says something. And that's impressive to me as well. But I think honestly, the way he handled under uh, the way he operated and responded to Dooley's system, uh, Derek Dooley, the offensive coordinator in Missouri, who came in for his his senior year, I think that actually speaks more to what his traje- trajectory as an NFL player is going to look like. I think that's one of the reasons why the Broncos were so confident in taking him in the second round, moving up to grab him, is because of yeah, those first three years, a lot of ups, there were some downs for sure. But seeing how he operated in a little bit more of a pro-style system, I think, encouraged the Broncos to say, look, we, we can mold this guy. Yeah, I, for sure. And, and to get him a, a potential top 10 pick in the second round and, and to give up a negligible amount to secure your hopeful face of the franchise, he's everything that you want physically. He has the arm talent. He has the mobility. He has the pocket uh, awareness, which needs to be sharpened still. But you like what you see, and you feel like he's almost there. He's not ready yet. But with some time and with some patience and good coaching, you can get a franchise quarterback. You can get a quarterback you can win with. And the tape is encouraging, and Chris Sims' opinion is notable considering the work he's done with quarterbacks around the NFL. Uh, and if he likes Locke, it, it's, it just further verifies Elway's decision to hone in on him as the quarterback that he won in this draft and potentially foregoing a quarterback next year or the year after that and, and getting his guy. And this is the first quarterback that Elway's chosen since you can even say Paxton Lynch, Chad Kelly doesn't count, that he's putting this faith in as a top-round pick. And if he has that that confidence after so many misses that he's had, you have to have 
confidence and, and Locke being that guy and at least getting the chance to be that guy. And with the time, I think he will be. So I, I tend to agree with Sims that he's the better backup, one of the better backups based on potential. I want to just see, though, a couple snaps in the NFL for Drew Locke before we make any sort of conclusion. I do think, though, that because of his draft pedigree, being a, the number 42 overall pick for the Broncos, even if Joe Flacco plays each and every snap in 2019, and let's say the Broncos, despite all their best efforts under Vic Fangio, they still end up you know, sub-500 and they're picking in the top 10. I still think by virtue of Drew Locke's presence and being that unknown quantity, untapped potential, and still having that draft pedigree so so new, so to speak, I think it precludes the Broncos from taking a quarterback high, at least in 2020. Now, 2021, that's a different story. But I think Drew Locke basically, at, at worst, has a two-year window to show the Broncos that he is indeed the quarterback of the future. I tend to agree with that. I, the only thing that I will add is the Cardinals kind of, you know, set the precedent for making quarterback moves. And if they can do it how they did it, then any team now, it, it leaves a door open to make a, a quarterback expendable after the first year. I, though, tend to think they're going to give him the proper time this year. He's going to gel with the team, learn the offense, and improve the mental capacity of his game, the pocket presence, his technique. And then 2020, all bets are off. I mean, he can be competing with Flacco. He can be handed a starting job. We don't know just yet. But right now, I, I just want to see him progress a little more, considering his development was a couple of weeks ago, he was struggling with spitting out plays in the huddle. So I, I just want to see that progression, and I'm excited to see it this summer as the preseason goes on. Now, we did not get to talk about this because we recorded Friday's episode Thursday evening. But following Friday's practice, the final session of those OTAs, Devontae Booker took to the podium at Dove Valley, and he said something that to me, Zach – was not only an indictment on the previous quarterbacks in Denver post-Super Bowl 50, but also was super an, an encouraging silver lining as it relates to Joe Flacco. I'm going to just read the quote real quick. Booker said, quote, in regard to Joe Flacco, he's such a cool guy. He talks to everybody in the locker room. Previous quarterbacks didn't really do that so much. They'd just be in there on the field, get the job done, and we see each other walking through the halls or something – wouldn't even acknowledge us. Flacco, I'd say, is a pretty cool guy. He just brings that leadership ability to all of us out there on the field. He's won a Super Bowl. He's just a good guy. Closed quote. Now, there's two things I want to touch on with regard to that, my immediate takeaways and the implications. But the first, Zach, is, I mean, we can talk about the indictment on a young quarterback like Trevor Simeon who's just finding his way, so to speak. But Case Keenum was supposed to be the guy, right? He was supposed to be franchise caliber, leader, all that stuff, taking the Minnesota Vikings almost to the Super Bowl that that last year in or that only year in Minnesota that preceded him signing in Denver. To hear from a guy like Devontae Booker, who's pretty soft-spoken, he doesn't... I mean, this is the first time I can ever recall Booker saying anything that was really hype-worthy, right? That, he, that could really justify even a headline for our website. And to go out on a limb like that and say that Look, basically, he didn't use his name, but Case Keenum didn't even acknowledge us, Zach. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to see, and it's not surprising that he would say it now after Keenum long gone, but it just goes to show how leadership, little leadership there was in that locker room last year. From the coaching staff downward, it seems like the buck was passed on to everybody else. It was no one's fault. It was never Van Schoes' fault. It wasn't Case Keenum's fault. 
and there was no accountability, no responsibility. We've talked about this, but Booker really, and Shelby Harris did too, they both just shined a light on how bad it was last year. And it's encouraging. It's definitely got to va- uh, validate John Elway. Everything he brought him in for, Joe Flacco, his experience, uh, what his arm, his leadership, that's the players starting to talk about that. And Booker was, has been here through many quarterbacks now and three head coaches, and he's seen a lot. So uh, his opinion is definitely noteworthy. And it just it, it really, really was bad last year, Chad. And that's what we're learning. It really was pretty bad. I mean, that's the thing here, I think, is that, I mean, the Broncos really have suffered from a kind of spiritual crisis, right? And it's, it's, it's been a massive leadership void. And that leadership, I mean, there's no getting around it. It has to come from the quarterback position. And the Broncos, that's what they've lacked in terms of just saying, oh, we, you know, it's one thing to say, look, they've not had a franchise quarterback. Yes. But what a franchise quarterback does besides operate an offense and throw a pretty football and all that stuff is he's a leader and he raises all ships. And that's something that Joe Flacco, though he has, you know, let's face it, he's not, it's not apples to apples comparing his arrival in Denver in 2019 to Peyton Manning coming in 2012. You can't compare them straight up exactly based on their individual accolades, but they're both former Super Bowl MVPs. And there's something I, I published an article over the weekend that basically looked at every comment since OTAs began from a Broncos player in which Joe Flacco's name was mentioned. And the the most common theme, Zach, two really, that jumped out to me, one was first off, leadership. That he's he's a leader. He's reaching out to everybody on the team. He's providing that, you know, that required intangible that has been lacking. That's encouraging. That's encouraging in and of itself. But on top of that, because of his experience, because of the fact that he's an 11-year starter, he's won a Super Bowl, he doesn't have the accolades individually like Peyton Manning did when he arrived in 2012, but he is a former Super Bowl MVP, similar to Peyton Manning when he arrived in 2012. He was... He did have one ring, Manning, and he was the Super Bowl MVP of that game. By virtue of him having Flacco been to the top of the mountain, that inspires such confidence in the entire locker room. And Jeff Hireman spoke to that. Uh, multiple guys spoke to that. And even Shelby Harris talked about how Flacco's presence and his the fact that he's capable, the fact that he's confident, the fact that he's a leader, and just the knowledge that teammates have now that they have a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, that it's had a calming effect on the offense. What did you make of that comment? I, I thought it's noteworthy. I, I happen to hold in regard, though, that you have to compare it to the last three years when you've had, what, Trevor Simeon, who was completely overmatched as a starting quarterback, Paxton Lynch, who was Paxton Lynch, we don't have to say much, and then Case Keenum, who it's coming out really didn't lead that much and really wasn't this fiery type of guy that you know he presented himself to be. So it's good that Flacco has experience. At this point in the offseason, considering how early it is, it's all about getting your teammates to buy into your message and to buy into your leadership. And so far, Flacco has done that. And you can't, you can't deny that. And it's going to pay off, hopefully, in the season. He still has to go out there, though, and prove that he can't just rest on his laurels from however many years ago winning a title. He has to prove that he still can be this effective quarterback. And it's not just talk. It's not just riding his his past coattails. It's I like what I've heard so far. And it's the same thing as all this promise, all this fluff right now in the offseason. It's still early June. When it comes together in the season, then we can be inspired. But for right now, it's getting people to buy in. And I thought it's funny that Vic Fangio and Joe Flacco were kind of on the same spectrum. Two different jobs, two different responsibilities, but it's about getting their own players under them to buy in. And they're both succeeding in spades right now. 
Yeah, definitely encouraging. I mean, when I actually went through and analyzed each and every comment that had been made about Flacco since OTAs began, I just came away with a feeling that, you know, the Broncos really are going through a process in which they're exercising the demons. And having Joe Flacco, having Vic Fangio, it really is helping to elevate their spirits as a team and and bring confidence back that they have the wherewithal to contend with anybody out there. And I think over time, I mean, when it comes down to it in the wash, it's going to pay dividends for the Broncos. But we still, as Zach harps on each and every time we get into these type of conversations, (laughs) we still have to see it take shape, right? We still have to see it actually come out in the wash on the gridiron. And uh, the good news is we're now in June. So we're inching ever closer to at least the the preseason, which starts with the Hall of Fame game. So the Broncos are going to get five preseason games this year. We're going to have more than our fair share of an opportunity to evaluate all the quarterbacks on this roster. And we look forward to getting to that. Now, we still have a few more topics that we want to get to, including some requests from our great listeners on social media. But first, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. All right, so this is, uh, again, we're we're inching closer to the the six-week break, the absolute worst and dead time, most dead time, on the NFL calendar and so we're starting to run out of things to talk about. And as I said on social media, you know, minicamp starts this this coming week, and that's great, but it's really, when you boil it down, it's not that much different, Zach, than what we've seen from the Broncos during OTAs the last four weeks. So it's not like, for example, I had some fans say, oh, can you preview this and that for minicamp? We can't re- we're not going to see really anything different than what we've been able to see through OTAs. It's still going to be non-contact. And, you know, you're going to get to see 11 on 11s and all that. And that's great, but it's not the same as training camp. So we're taking a different tack. And we're, we reach out to fans and listeners on Twitter saying, hey, what do you guys want us to talk about? So this isn't exactly a mile-high mailbag, but this is another example where, listen, we are your football priests, and every opportunity we get, we're going to engage with you to, to give you that absolution, the answers to whatever's on your mind. And f- this is something, Zach, that came from – a longtime listener of the show on social media came on Twitter. Here's another reason why you need to make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. JT at JThomas89. He said, Zach, guys, with so many players and so many starters set to hit free agency next offseason, who do you see leaving and who is first in line to be retained? Personally, I think Derek Wolf, Shelby Harris, and Chris Harris Jr. and Justin Simmons would be the guys to lock down quickly. Who do you see? being locked down during the season, if anyone. So there's kind of three questions tied tied up in there. But let's start with this, Zach. Of the players we know are entering a contract year in 2019, who do you see as the most likely players that the Broncos are actually going to go out of their way to bring back? Because 
The one name I'll throw off the cuff right now, I think Derek Wolf will come back if he stays healthy. I'll stay on that uh, that line, but I'm going to take a different course. Shelby Harris is a guy that he's balled out in the last two years. If he really thrives like I think he will, I mean, he got a little more money this year. He has a lot of motivation for next year. If he thrives, he can be a potential in-season signing, if only to not let him get to free agency before his value increases and to lock him down early. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is on there. Uh, there's so many players. Adam Gossis, a lot of defensive linemen. I don't think anyone is absolutely they're going to have to go out and resign. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is another one. He has to prove a lot too. Chris Harris Jr. A lot of these guys are going to let the situation play out and dictate that way. Uh, but I'm with you, Chad. If they're going to focus their attention on one area, it'll it's got to be the D line uh, to get that squared away. I thought it was interesting, Derek Wolf. Um, let's see if I can find the quote real quick while I'm talking here. But Derek Wolf, you know, he his first comment when he was at the podium, I think it was Thursday. We even talked about this. We might have played the clip. I don't recall exactly. But he he talked about how he feels like he was born to play in this defense. And here's the quote. He said, with regard to he and his wife, Derek Wolf, um, you know, she asked him, basically, you know, what's going to happen? You're in, in a contract year. Where are we going to be next year? Here's what he said. Quote, I was telling my wife that last night. She was like, you know, it's your contract year. Where are we going to be? This and that. I feel like I was born for this defense, so I don't think we have anything to worry about, close quote, which I think is is true. I think Derek Wolf has the potential to, even though he's entering, what, his eighth season with the Denver Broncos, he has the potential. Now, 2015 was a great year for him, but he has the potential this year for this to be the best year of his career. And if he does succeed this, the way I think he can and will under Vic Fangio, and of course this is all health willing, he could have the same type of an impact, I believe, as Justin Smith had for Vic Fangio in San Francisco. And if that's the case, and if he does, you better believe Vic Fangio is going to be pounding the table for John Elway to peel off a few of those 52-plus million the Broncos are projected to have in cap space next season to re-sign Derek Wolf, even if, Zach, it's only on a two- or three-year extension. Yeah. Now, as it relates to Chris Harris, I said this in my gut reaction article. I've said it on the podcast now. I don't think he's coming back. Barring some crazy miracle, I think this kind of spelled out and telegraphed the team's ultimate intentions with regard to him coming back post-2019. Yeah, I'm completely with you on Derek Wolf. I think he will take a step forward. It's all obviously, like you said, Chad, dependent on his health. If he can stay you know, on the field for all 16 games, he has that potential to be that anchor in the 3-4 defense when they play that that front that can brush the pass or stop the run. Great locker room guy, uh, great influence with the media. I would look to lock him down. It's going to depend, though, on a couple things uh, with money and also the fact that Draymond Jones is waiting in the wings. They still have uh, Demarcus Walker who can be salvaged there. So if he has it down here or if other players step up they might want to go in a different direction with Shelby Harris and Adam Gotsis I want to just throw out another in-season potential signing for the Broncos a guy that we like a lot Chad is Justin Simmons he has Pro Bowl potential and I think if he can thrive in this defense and if he just uh if they generate those interceptions and he you know capitalizes on that they can look a lot knock him down now before he even hits free agency down the road and and get a Pro Bowler uh, squared away I think Simmons is the most likely candidate to be offered an extension in season. But it comes down to, you know, we've been talking about Justin Simmons having Pro Bowl caliber potential now for this is his fourth year, so three off seasons, basically. And if he goes on in 2019 in his contract year to have a similar type of impact as he's had the last three years where 
he's an above average starter, but he's just kind of beleaguered and, you know, in over his head a little bit, strung too thin. They're asking him to do too many things, and we see flashes but not consistent. I could see the Broncos saying, you know what, we're going to let you hit the market. We'll see what the market, you know, is willing to pay, and then we'll decide whether or not to bring you back. However, if he, as I agree with you, if he ends up being a great, another one of these great safeties to flourish in Vic Fangio's system and starts producing at a high level, not only in terms of performance on the field, but he's racking them up statistically. He's a guy, Zach, I can see the Broncos, probably the most likely candidate to be offered an in-season extension. And the reason why is it's worked for the Broncos in the past. They did it with both Chris Harris and Derek Wolf in terms of, hey, we want to nip in the bud the possibility of these core players who are going to be hitting free agency next year. We want to nip in the bud the potential to be outbid on in the free agent market and use what leverage we have now to possibly kind of strong arm a team-friendly situation when it comes to the contract. And I think that's the same approach because it's worked for him in the past with Harris and Wolf. I think if Simmons starts off the first quarter to two quarters of the season well, you're going to see the Broncos come to the table and try and get him locked up. Especially with Will Parks also going to be a free agent soon. That's a potential starting safety for them. So it's definitely interesting to see how it'll play out. The only thing I will say about Wolf to be back on that topic for a second with with Fangio patting the table, we don't know. It seems like when Elway gets a feeling about someone, I mean, he showed it this year with Chris Harris Jr. And Harris is way more decorated than Wolf has ever been in his career. So we're let's not. I don't want to assume that he'll be back regardless. It's going to come down to money, and if Fangio's influence will be notable. Uh, we're going to have to see what, how L.A. wants to divvy these funds. It seems like he wants to get younger in certain years and get rid of players before they get too old. That can work against Wolf. Uh, so I, I want him to come back, but it all depends on how he plays and stays healthy. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. But, JT, thanks for the question, and what a great way to finish off this episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. That's going to do it, you guys. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Don't forget to leave your creative reviews and five-star rating on iTunes and YouTube listeners. If you haven't yet, make sure you hit that like button before you click out on YouTube. And then, obviously, you want to make sure you're following Zach on Twitter, at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad and Jensen. We will be back tomorrow with another fresh episode of the Huddle Up podcast, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.